Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. Happy 4th of July to you on this 4th of July weekend. Hope you and your family have some good things planned uh, tomorrow, cooking out hamburgers and hot dogs. And then uh, maybe tomorrow night you can make your way out to uh, Mary Ross Park for the watermelon and fireworks. And so we hope that you can come help serve our uh, community. And so, but I'm so, so thankful that you are here uh, this morning. Um, it has been a busy week for, uh, for me and my family. And I just want to say, first of all, thank you so much for um, your prayers as this past week. Um, I began my uh, chemo infusion, and um, I'll tell you this, it's no joke. It's no joke, it's for real, uh, but uh, that's okay, but your prayers are much, much appreciated. I also want to say thank you for praying for Angela's stepdad, um, who had uh, open-heart surgery on Monday. He has already come home. Wow, and uh, that is super, super encouraging, and so thank you for praying for them, and thank you for praying for, uh, for our family. We greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate that. Well, last Sunday when I preached, I did not say a certain phrase. Did anybody catch that last week? You were sleeping on me last week, weren't you? Because I failed to say the phrase, if you have your Bible... And I'm sure that you do. I'm going to say it twice today to cover up from last week. If you have your Bibles, and I'm sure that you do this morning, would you please take them out? And today, uh, I'm going to ask you to turn to two different places in your Bible. Um, and they're both in the Old Testament, Second Chronicles chapter 7 and then Psalm chapter 60. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and Psalm chapter 60, as we are in this series that we've titled Overcomer, um, How to Live an Overcoming Life. We have um, based this series off of Paul's uh, great book called Romans, Romans chapter 8, verse 37, which says this, that we are overwhelmingly conquerors. We are more than conquerors, huper nikaio, meaning, meaning we, are, we are victorious it is not by the skin of our teeth that we are victorious. We are more than conquerors. No matter what we experience in our lives, we are victorious. And so on this July 4th weekend, um, I had originally uh, planned on and uh, preaching on overcoming materialism. I think that's a big issue with those of us in the United States of America, materialism. Many of us are caught up in keeping up with the Joneses or giving material things um, a higher priority than what they ought to be. But, but earlier this week, um, I, I just began to uh, reflect on uh, this, uh, this message, and, and I came to the conclusion there's just too many things going on in our country that we can't ignore. And so I've changed the message to the title, Overcoming a Broken Nation. How do we overcome a broken nation? I think all of us in this room, on one level or another, those watching online, I think we would all agree on certain levels that our country is broken. Would you agree with that statement? Our country is broken. And so as we look at what God's Word says about overcoming a broken nation, I do want to begin with a confession. I personally have a unique ability 
to be unable to fix anything broken. I am not a mechanic. I can't fix a car. I'm not an electrician. I can't do any of those things. I'm, I'm not a carpenter. I'm not a builder. So if something's broken, it's probably going to stay broken because I don't have that gift. I don't have that unique ability. But I will tell you this. There is one person in my family who has the gift of being a fixer, and she's on the front row, <laughs> my wife. I'll tell you a true story. Um, several, several years ago when we were living in Warner Robins, uh, Georgia, it was, a, it was a Saturday during the fall, which means it is what, men? College football. And so I was doing whatever um, non-broken fixer husband does on a Saturday, sitting on the couch watching football, just enjoying some good football games. And after about the second game that I was watching, I said, wow, I haven't seen my wife in a while. I wonder where she is. And being the great uh, husband that I was, I was too lazy to get off the couch. So I yelled, Angela, where are you? And, and the garage door opens into our, the kitchen area, so it opens up, and here walks in my wife. She is covered in sweat and grease. And she's carrying a tool. I don't know what tool it is, but it's a tool. I don't know if she's going to hurt me. But she's got it in her hand. And so I turned and I look at her and, and I said, what in the world are you doing? And she said, come follow me. So I roll off the couch and uh, wipe the popcorn off my shirt, walk into the garage. And somehow, someway, my wife has taken the front panel of the inside of our Honda minivan. She has taken it off. I said, what are you doing? She said, well, you know, the, the AC in our minivan hasn't been working, so I, it was broken, so I thought I would just go fix it. I said, how did you do this? She said, YouTube. <laughs> it's YouTube. And so I said, well, what, what did you do? And she said, well, I take off the front panel, and the AC wasn't working, so I removed the AC ret system return valve, and then I installed a flux capacitor. Then I went back to 1988, and, and it's perfect. I was so stunned, I couldn't say a word. I just turned around and went back to watching football. <laughs> but my wife has the unique ability to fix things which are broken. Today, on this July 4th weekend, I stand before you to say that our country is broken. And that our country needs a fixin'. You know what a fixin' is? Growing up in West Texas, a fixin' was a whoopin'. That's what that was. But it was a whoopin' to get you back on the straight and narrow. Are you with me? Our country is broken. Democrats think our country is broken and they think it'll be solved in a certain way. Republicans believe our country is broken. They believe it should be solved or fixed a certain way. We're living in broken times when, when the norms have been broken. Things that many of us never thought we would see happen 
take place in our eyes, and it's in the public, and it is blatant. Are you with me? We are living in a day where sin, open sin, walks in the street, and it's in your face, and there's no remorse. Our country is broken. Politically, and I say this about Democrats, Republicans, independents, and this is a broad stroke, but politically, our government, our parties, seek to only benefit the party itself rather than the greater good of our country. Economically, our politicians do not care that the middle class is being punished. Gas prices continue to skyrocket. Grocery prices continue to skyrocket. And our government says we can't do anything about that. Well, yesterday a friend of mine told me a new Greek word. And that Greek word was balagna. Our government has control of the prices, and they've refused to do anything, and our country is broken. Internationally, our reputation is shredded. And then spiritually, our culture has descended into chaos. Listen to these stats. 29% of Americans consider themselves to be a nun, which means they claim no religious affiliation. That is an increase from 16% just 15 years ago. The percentage of Christians, excuse me, the percentage of Americans who claim to be Christians declined from 78% to 63% over the past 15 years. A Lifeway study since 2019 has indicated that over 5,000 churches in our country have closed their doors just in two years, two and a half years. And since COVID hit in 2020, the median U.S. church attendance fell from 137 to 65. Our country is broken. I love our country, don't you? I love our country. I'm so thankful that God allowed me, allowed us to be born in the United States of America. Praise God for that. Do not take that for granted. We're thankful for that, but our country is broken. And so as we celebrate our country's 246th birthday, and as we blow out the candles on the cake, we make a wish. And here's my wish. I pray that God would heal our land. That he would heal our land. And as I was reflecting on this, I came to a psalm that, that I've rarely studied. And it's Psalm 60. Would you look there with me, please? And as I read Psalm 60, it just hit me in, this, in the face because this 
especially verses 1, 2, and 3, it, it is a picture of our country currently. And so once you look at Psalm 60, uh, Psalm 60 is a moment when, when King David, the greatest king of Israel, he, he cries out to God in distress. He cries out to God in distress because Israel is broken. The country, when David writes this, it's called a lament. It's a lament because they've lost a battle. And the king, the leader of the country, is broken because he realizes the country is in trouble. Look what he says in verse 1. He says, oh God, you have rejected us. And you've burst upon us. You have been angry. Now restore us. This is the New International Version. And the first thing that I want you to understand about Psalm 60 is this. Again, that the nation of Israel is broken. And this is the first time. The context here gives you, gives you the meaning and the, the intensity behind Psalm 60. David writes this because this was the first national defeat under his leadership. Up to this point, David's batting 100%, 1,000%. He's leading correctly. He's leading rightly. This is the first national defeat under his leadership. Now, turn over with me to 2 Samuel chapter 8. It's on page 382 in my Bible. But in 2 Samuel chapter 8, which is the story of David and his kingship over Israel... I want to read a couple of verses to you that just shows you, it gives you an idea of what David and Israel was like before they had this defeat, that they were victorious in all these things. 2 Samuel chapter 8, and it's on the screen behind me, and today I can say it's on the screens, amen, screens behind me. Um, look at 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 1. I'm just going to highlight some verses here. 2 Samuel 8, 1, and it says this, now after this it came about that David, what did he do? defeated the Philistines and subdued them. He overcame the enemy. Verse number two, he defeated Moab. He's victorious. He's an overcomer. Look at verse three. Then David defeated the son of Rehob, king of Azobah. He is victorious. Look at verse number six. Look at the end of verse six. It says this, and the Lord helped David wherever he went. Are you getting a picture? Everywhere David went, he's victorious. Everywhere Israel goes, they're victorious. Look at verse number 14, the last of 14, then we'll look at verse 15. And the Lord helped David wherever he went. Verse 15, and this is so key here. Look at verse 15. So David, he reigned over all Israel. How did David reign when the country was successful? How did he reign? It tells us in verse 15, it says this, and David administered, David administered justice and righteousness for all all his people. Listen, a country will succeed and will be prosperous in God's eyes when it administers justice with righteousness. We live in a day when our government and people fight for justice. But I'm going to tell you, it's misplaced justice. It's unrighteous justice that they're trying to promote 
Are you with me? Two of you, are you with me? Do you understand that the justice that our government is trying to promote, it is not righteous? Pro-choice. Marry whomever you want to marry. This is unrighteous. And if it is unrighteous, listen to me. Students, listen. If it's unrighteous, it's not justice. Unrighteousness is never just. But God's justice is always righteous. And so in 2 Samuel chapter 8, when it says that David administered justice and righteousness, this is Israel at its finest. And at their finest, they were victorious in all things. Well, we know the story, right? We know the story of David. 2 Samuel chapter 8, things are going wonderful. But in 2 Samuel chapter 10, something happens. In 2 Samuel chapter 10, some of David's uh, men went on attack to another country. And the country uh, defeated them, sent David's men back to him. And here's what they did. They shaved half of their beards shaved off half of their heads, and cut off the backside of their cloaks so that their buttocks were showing. That's in the Bible. That's good stuff. Sent them all the way back, and they were humiliated. And in the next chapter, 2 Samuel chapter 11, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we then read these words. Then it happened In the season when the kings were to go out to war, David remained home in Jerusalem and he looked upon a woman. And the nation broke. You see, a nation will break when its leaders, When its leaders are not where they're supposed to be and they're looking at things they're not supposed to look at. And when our leaders do that, here's what's going to happen. Your nation will break. Now that's a principle that will take place in your own life as well. That if you're in places you need not be and you're looking at things you need not look at, here's what's going to happen. You are going to break. Obviously, 2 Samuel chapter 11 talks about David's sexual sin. Could have talked about overcoming sexual sin on this July 4th because it would have been appropriate for our country as well, would it not? Listen to me, students, listen to me. Sexual sin always, 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 always leads to a broken life. Always. You can never escape it. And you can bet your last dollar when your country promotes sexual sin, you can guarantee where your country's heading. Well, don't you feel good this morning? Gosh, this is so good. I wanted to come sing, celebrate, go get a hot dog. But no, pastor is serious today. Well, yeah. (laughs) Look at Psalm 60 verse 2. Look look at this. Look, Look what David says. He says, you, God, 
You have shaken the land and you have torn it open. Mend its fractures for it is quaking. Isn't that a great verse for our time? Lord, heal the cracks before this whole thing falls apart. Verse 3. You, God, have shown your people desperate times. And you have given us wine that makes us stagger. What a picture. Do you picture this? Do you, I mean, th- is this not our country? We stagger around. We're being shaken to the core. And I, and I believe this, that I believe that our country is at a breaking point. We're at a breaking point, and the governor's election in Georgia coming up soon is a major election. Are you with me? It's major. It's major because we're at a breaking point. And moms and dads and grandparents, I, I don't know if you've been like me in relating to, to my children, there's, there's moments where, where I weep for what they will have to go through in the years to come. Well, does God's word say anything about this? Or, or, is, God, or is God washed his hands and said, well, I'll just let it. I'll just let it go, you know, I set this world in motion and, you know, I'll just let it do what it wants to do and then, you know, when it's time for Jesus to come back, I'll just send it back. Has God just, has he washed his hands of all of this? No, he hasn't. God, God's word has spoken to us in this moment. But what does God's word say about overcoming a broken nation? Is it possible for a nation to be, to, uh, to be fixed? According to God's word, you know what the answer is? Absolutely. Then where does it begin? Well, I'm glad Psalm 60 doesn't end at verse 3, aren't you? Because look at verse 4. Look at the first phrase in this chapter, in this verse. Verse 4, he says this. But for those who fear you. Do you see it? But for those who fear you. So David has painted this big picture of the the nation is crumbling. The the nation has been devastated. It's broken and it needs to be fixed. You would think he would go and complain about everything. But what he does is this. He turns back to the believers. He turns back to those who follow the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. And he says this in verse 4. Believers are the only ones who can change the nation. It's not the politicians, although they have a part. We need our politicians to be believers. But it says it's the believers whom God is looking for. God is looking for those who follow him to change the course of history. I want you to write this down, write this phrase down, because I believe this with all my heart. Overcoming a broken nation begins with those who fear the Lord. 
Overcoming a broken nation begins with those who fear the Lord. So do you know what that means? Overcoming a broken nation begins with me and you. Because we are God's chosen people. Are you with me this morning? Go to 2 Chronicles 7.14. You're very familiar with this. This passage. Second Chronicles 7.14, it says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their, their land. According to Second Chronicles chapter 7, according to this verse, one of the conditions, and there's multiple conditions in here, but one of the conditions that God says that he will heal or restore our nation or any nation is this, is that we must seek his face. One of the conditions for our country to to overcome its brokenness, to, to be healed, to be forgiven, is that believers seek God's face. And that we as believers, that we seek it intensely, that we grab God's face, we, in essence, pull his face to us, and he pulls us to him, and we, and we seek him with everything we have. When you, when you look at the Hebrew here, when it says that we need to seek his face, it, it, it implies an intensity. It, it implies a passion. It implies a a desire that it's more than a casual pastime. In order for our country uh, to to overcome brokenness, believers, the church, must seek the face of God Almighty himself, and that needs to be their number one priority. And when when Solomon, God through Solomon says this, what, what, what God is saying is this is not in your spare time. Seeking God is not giving God your leftovers. It's giving him your first. It's, it's not a low priority. It's, it's not, you know, if I get the time, then, then I will seek him intensely. When Solomon writes this, he says, this needs to be your number one priority. And God is saying, if you want me to heal your land and my people who are called by my name, they got to seek my face. So then we could question then that if our nation is not being restored, then is it possible that God's people are not seeking his face? Yes, it's quite possible. Yes, it's a possibility. Yes, it's a possibility. We've seen from the stats that the church attendance has declined. Churches are closing the doors. Why is it? Because God's people who are called by his name are failing to seek his face. They're failing to make that their priority. The writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 11, picks this up when he says this, that God is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek his face. Intensely. Earnestly passionately, your desire, your sacrifice to, to seek God's face. You know, if you want to become an Olympic athlete, I mean, you don't do it in your spare time, do you? 
That's got to be your number one priority. Um, you, you, make, you make it the main thing that you do. If you want to be an Olympic athlete, you wake up early, you eat right, you train, and you go to bed early, and you do it all over again. Because you know the sacrifice it takes. And so when God says, if my people are called by my name, but humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, meaning that they would eat, drink, and breathe me every moment, and I would heal their land. Psalm 14, verse 2 says this, the Lord The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men, listen this, to see if anybody seeks after him. You see that? Notice that in that verse it's not talking about age, stage, or experience of your life. It says God looks down from heaven. And he's seeing if anybody understands. And he's seeing if anybody seeks after him. But in verse 3 he goes on to say this. But they've all turned aside and together they've become corrupt because no one does good. No, not one. So in essence what God has said, and God has said this at time throughout history. Sodom and Gomorrah is one example. Well there's been moments when God says, man I'm looking for godly people. But if there's no godly people, I'm going to destroy them. Right? Are you with me? And so, so, so periodically God was, is, is looking to see if there's somebody who is righteous who wants to seek him with all their heart. But, but there's moments also when God says, I can't find anybody. I, I can't find anybody. Everybody wants my blessing, but they don't want me. I, I know this, that um, I was listening to a, po- a, a podcast called um, This Cultural Moment. Um, which uh, one of the speakers on the podcast, name of Mark Sayers, who a uh, godly man, studies culture, he said this about our post-Christian culture. He said this, our culture today is we want the fruit of Christ's kingdom. We want love, joy, peace. We want unity. And we, we, we all want to be together. We, we, want, we want the fruit of of Christ's kingdom, but then he says this, but we don't want the king. You can't have the fruit if you don't have the king. If my people are called by my name, would seek my face. Charles Spurgeon, I read this this morning as I was just uh, praying and meditating over this message. I read this quote this morning from Spurgeon which said, which said this, He said, in heaven, there will be no crown wearers who first weren't cross cross bearers on earth. Listen, folks, too many of us, too many of us as Christians, we want to wear the crown, but we do not want to bear the cross. And we wonder why our nation struggles. Well, 
thankfully, God also says this. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, he says this. But if you would seek the Lord, if you would seek the Lord and seek him with all your heart and with all your soul, that you will be found and he will find you. So it's not a, it's not a situation where we're at a loss where we can't overcome. The solution is simple. We as believers, we have got to come back to our first love. And that first love is Jesus Christ and what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we must seek him with every ounce of our body. That we make him our number one goal. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then, 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 then I will hear them. Then I will forgive them, and then I will heal their land. How can we do this? How can we do this? I want to give you just a real, real quick application point on how we can do this. How can we, how can we make Jesus number one in our life? Well, obviously, number one, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ today, Today is a day of salvation for you to come to him and give your life to him. He died on the cross for us so that we would have freedom from sin, so that we could turn from our wicked ways and we could follow him, and then we live our life for him. And if you haven't made that decision today, I I, I beg you, I urge you to turn to Jesus to kneel at the cross, let the blood of Jesus forgive your sins, and then live for him, the one who sets you free. For those of you who've already made that decision um, and want to seek him more intently, I want to give you one little tool this morning. I I learned this from from a pastor, You, you may know him, his name is Rick Warren, he's retiring from Saddleback, but I know there's been some controversy with him, but he does provide some really, really good stuff. And one of these, one of these tools was how do you make Jesus number one in your life? What's a, something that you could do every single day? Well, here it is. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you. What in the world does that mean? H-W-F-W. H-W-L-W. What? Here's what it means. Go to the next slide, Kip. His word, first word. His word, last word. His word, first word. When you wake up in the morning, the very first thing you do is you get into God's word. You get into God's word. I know if you're like me, many, many of us, what's the first thing we do? 
pick up our phone, to hit snooze, or you turn it off, but then you see all the notifications on there. Text, emails, messages, whatever. And you start scrolling through. Keep the phone down. Get up, get your coffee, and go get in God's word. His word, first word. Make the first thing that you put back into your mind God's word. Read it. Meditate upon it. Apply it. Choose a passage and read a passage until, until God's word begins to speak to you and, or challenges you or, or, or does something in you. One of the things that, that, that I've decided to do since I started my chemo was to study Psalm chapter 1. I just want to read about a blessed man, and Psalm chapter 1 says, How blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or, or stand in the path of, of sinners, or, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But, but his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. And he, he will be like a tree planted by streams of water, producing fruits. And his leaves never, never wither. And in all things he does, he prospers. And that's, that's what I'm meditating on right now. And one of the things that, 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 um, that the Lord just began to show me was in, in this text, as I'm thinking about it, his word, first word, as I'm thinking about it and fleshing it out and processing it, what, what I came to the conclusion is this, is that there's only one thing that brings success in my life. It's not a cancer-free body. It's not to hear the words from a doctor. It's not to hear the words that you're cancer-free. Man, do I want to hear that? Yeah, absolutely, I want to hear that. But that's not going to give me prosperity, and that's not going to give me success. You see, my success, my prosperity, according to God's word, and this is for you as well, our success, our prosperity doesn't depend on any affliction that comes your way or that does not come your way. Your success, your prosperity, it all comes from you devoting yourself to pouring into God's word and you seeking Jesus with everything you've got. And that's God's call for all of us. His word, first word. Pick a book. Read Psalms, read Read Proverbs, or Proverbs a day, um, Philippians. We're going to be in Joshua in the fall. Read the book of Joshua, but you read it. Read it until God speaks. And then, wherever you read, um, put, put the Bible, put your notes, your journal, whatever. Keep it in a, in a public place so that you can easily see it. So when it comes to go back to bed, you know this, the very last thing I need to do is read God's word again. His word, last word. And you seek his face. If my people who are called by my name. Would humble themselves. Pray. Seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. I'll hear. I'll forgive, and I will overcome 
a broken nation. But it begins with us. Doesn't begin with our enemies. Doesn't begin with our politicians. Listen, it doesn't begin with the Supreme Court. It begins with the house of God. And so church, from your pastor who loves you dearly, let it start here. Let it start here. Let it start here with us. That we, I mean, look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Look at him. At you. Let it start here. Let overcoming a broken nation start here. That we begin to seek his face with everything that we got. And that we hold each other accountable. Are there going to be missteps? Absolutely they are. Are we going to make mistakes? Absolutely are. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to make missteps and mistakes going in one direction, and that's in the direction of Jesus Christ. And let him take care of the rest. But let's be the people called by the name of Christ. Christians. Father, we come before you now. I just pray, God, that you would that you would heal our land. Sin runs rampant in the streets, God. And those who are open and blatant about their sin, they have no idea. They have no idea the ramifications. They have no idea. Father, forgive us as a people for, for condemning them rather than sharing the gospel with them. Oh God, break our hearts. Just break our hearts for not seeking you with every ounce of our being. In Jesus' name we pray.